0: Neo, welcome to Flicking and screaming. And now the starting lineup for your Case stones What's up, guys? i you a slacker, baby. I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry. God bless you, man. What the hell is going on out here? Oh, fuck it. Welcome to Flicking and Screaming, everybody. I am Jed Sprague, here with my co-host, Evan Fagundis. Hello. And <coughs> JT Chipman. Hey, everyone. And this week, we are revisiting Dune. And we're going to be talking a little bit about potential forecasting for Dune 2. But before we get into that, how we doing, gentlemen? Chip, uh, were you a fan of my
1: uh, my chortling, my throat throat singing? It was. I felt the vibrations coming through my Skype, up through my microphone, into my headphones. Um, just so like being in I, the theater. Ex- exactly, exactly. I'm ready to bathe myself in the blood of my enemies and pray for their knives to chip and shatter. Um, I'm very good. I watched Dune like twice uh, this week and just had a really great wow. time with both of those watches. Um, and I watched the trailer for Dune Two many, many times as well. I've done my, I've done my research, if you will. And I, I also did reread the book synopsis, which I read the book, you know, almost two years ago now. But I had to reread the book synopsis to, to remember some, some details and some characters for what, uh, for what we're going to look forward to. Which make, I don't know if that's going to come up in this conversation if we talk about what we're excited for in Part Two or not, what we want to oh. see happen. Oh, it's coming up. Uh, okay, good, good. Evan, how are you? um
2: you know i'm doing well i'm glad you're doing the throat singing there jed it's very fitting considering chip and i are both drinking uh the blood of prisoners that mm. that had been slit in front of us at this point no I, I i'm doing well i'm excited to talk about this movie um again i'm really excited about this movie coming out we were just talking about you know releases a few minutes ago and i don't know if we have a ton right in front of us here over the next few weeks but you know, a month out, two months out, three months out. We got a lot to be excited for with this kind of being the capper. Um, so I'm excited about that. It's getting a lot sunnier here in Northern California. Really excited about that. So I have nothing to complain about. How are you doing? Jet Sprague? Uh,
0: Jet doing good. You know, just, uh, settling, settling in to, uh, the sunshine. I think, you know, we're finally, I think, turning the corner. I'm ready to proclaim it. You know, in Reno, you never know. You get a couple of, uh, Springs of deception, uh, as they like to call them. Uh, we had snow here last week, but I think that's going to be the last of it. I think we're going to you know, be bathing in the sunshine, be outside. And you know what? I'm also in my force, my wife, to watch movies because she ends up enjoying them, even though she says she's not in the mood era. I know I talked about that in our group message earlier, but it's been awesome. We've been watching so many more movies than I'm uh, you know, used to. And let me tell you, she was a big fan of Dune uh mm. first first time she saw it and was fired up and so that was uh you know that was great.
1: And was that first watch 2 years ago or was it uh more recent? No, her first watch was when we watched this week. Okay, nice. Yeah,
0: so nice. You know, as you as you recall the very first time that I watched Dune um you know, was at 2 a.m. on my couch because I felt left out that you guys were both uh, walking out of the theater Desert Power <laughs> from the couch. Uh if you can recall um but, yeah, I'm excited. I think this is a really interesting movie to talk about, and I think it's a good time to revisit it because of the trailer dropping, um but also because you know, it was just May the fourth. and uh, you know the 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 story that Star Wars cribbed the most things from uh, is right in front of us. And I think it's it's only fitting that we talk about uh, about the franchise
1: that has the potential to to uh, surpass it. Who could say? I've seen a lot of people running with a trend on Twitter, which is May the 9th chip and shatter, and as opposed to May the 9th May chip and shatter. So mm. wow. we're, coming, we're coming for everything Star Wars has. And it's Tuesday, mm. May the 9th, as we record this. So how about that? That's fun.
0: Um, I want to talk about a couple of things, but I think I want to first talk about how long was it since you guys last watched Dune? Probably like
2: nine or ten months for me. I okay. think it was last summer. Um, early last summer that I showed it to my dad. That was actually the like fourth time. No, that was the third time I'd seen this movie. Um, yeah, but that was the last time. I watched it twice, kind of almost right back to back. Um, saw it in theater, saw it immediately as soon as it hit
0: streaming. I think that was like, for me, I think that was the best part about what I was seeing around the streaming discourse of like the simultaneous drop is like people that got to see it in theaters, but then immediately got to go home and like revisit their favorite moments mm-hmm. um, on streaming. I think we kind of we jumped the shark with that a little bit, but uh, but that was like I think the pinnacle of when we were like, could there be you know, could there be parallel paths? Could this be like the perfect way to do things? Um, Chip, what about you? When was the last
1: time you saw it before this? It would have been release week. I saw it in a theater and then saw it maybe two days later or so. Um, I remember. I remember actually like watching it on my phone a little bit, which is a horrible thing to say, but I was in my <laughs> cubicle at work the next day and just like kind of had it on my phone because I was like, why not? Let me just have this playing off here to the side in my AirPods. But no, I, I watched it in full on a uh, large television uh, on HBO Max later that week. And then this week, uh, saw it a couple more times. And wow, am I glad we came back to it because I, I can't even remember. I'm pretty sure it was on my top five list, but looking back, I'm like, maybe I underrated this movie. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a good way to transition into what stood out to you this time you watched it. I thought a lot about just how like almost painterly this movie is. It is very slow and dedicated. I adore the fact that Villeneuve takes so much time with his characters and Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of very loud, bombastic action. There's a few sequences in particular when the Harkonnens come back to Arrakis, that whole 15 minutes is, I mean, some of the best action you'll see, you know, uh, and really well-rendered CGI VFX as well that we need to give credit for. But I think about those moments like when Paul is in the holographic tree and the hunter-seeker comes in or just any like landscape shot of the desert. It's all very wide lenses. It's all very still. The characters are are very happy to remain kind of steady and to do a lot of, a lot of staring. Um, And it can be, it can be intimate like in the tent or it can be uh, like, like I said, like a landscape and it's just, it's just beyond beautiful. So I think the Greg, Greg Frazier as cinematographer stood out to me a lot this time.
0: The slow knife penetrates the shield.
1: Yes. That's so that's that is visual language uh, that yeah. is cinematography and action joining together for for slow slow beauty
0: I think uh I had kind of, i I kind of agree with you, chip I think the visual language of the film had kind of washed over me the further away I was from it and then rewatching it I was like, holy shit this is done with so much care and um and kind of like uh, it's very methodical in the way that it 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 shows its uh, it, it shots. It lingers. You know, it goes back. Uh, there's a lot of shot repetition, which is really cool. I think in contrast to kind of the Hollywood big Hollywood blockbuster of today, you know, uh, genre IP movie, it you know where it's basically like a YouTube clip just for two hours, um, you know, cutting every four seconds because that's how it thinks it's going to keep people's attention span. I it was like that was the biggest. Standout for me was like holy shit like this is so different and i'd almost forgotten how different it was you know as the further we gotten away from it uh evan what about you what was your big standout? you know it, yeah, i love that you guys said that
2: so the first time greg frazier's cinematography the way this movie looked um the world it created through its look and the sound of the movie kind of overwhelmed me especially walking out of the theater i will say on the right side of history i walked out of the theater i don't even know if i'd left the dolby screen and i was tossing the five bagger up on letterbox so i was <laughs> i was there from the beginning this was definitely my like movies are back moment for sure um and uh but but this time i was thinking a little bit about like the screenplay and how efficient it is in its storytelling um it's kind of minimalist storytelling in a way which sounds funny considering it's like 160 million dollar like epic but this isn't exactly like a subtle story right like dune is it, lots of it's kind of on its face like it's more about the world that it creates and the people who inhabit it than it is like this super complicated subtle um you know uh, um um presentation of themes like that the themes are kind of right there right it's like outsiders coming in to take the natives you know resources and and dominate them essentially um but this this movie was written by John Spates, who I'm not familiar with other than like Passengers, the the science fiction movie, but also by Bill Noove and then Eric Roth, who's been nominated six times for Academy Awards for screenwriting. Um, he's written like Forrest Gump, The Insider, A Star is Born, lots of really good movies. Um, and I don't know, I was just really impressed by the way that they created the world through the way that they wrote it. And like so much of that visual language seems like it has to have come from the screenplay too. Like so many of those establishing shots and and shots within the room, I have to imagine were written in at a certain point. Um, and then like the way that they introduced the voice, you know, in that first scene at the breakfast, like that to me is so much cooler than if, you know, his mom had said, okay, it's time, you know, get ready, come on in for your lesson. And then she's like, do it. You know, it's like, I love how they kind of tie these things in. Um, you know, but they also have to do like the slow blade, you know, like they they have to explain some things in, in like training sessions and stuff, but I just thought it was really efficient the way that they told the story.
0: Yeah. I think you made a good point too. There's a ton of, like, they do a lot of expert exposition. Um, like one of my favorite ways they do exposition dumps is actually through Paul doing lessons on Arrakis, you know, learning about the same, (laughs) you know, it's just like the, like, kind of like voiceover textbook the largest Mm -hmm. creature on Arrakis is the sandworm who can reach up to 200 meters long. You know, like, but that works. It works really well. And it's enough in the background where you're not hit over the head with it, but enough in the foreground where it captures your attention and you're actually listening um, to what Mm -hmm. it's saying. So I thought that was really interesting. And also, I want to say, you mentioned 160 million. I mean, when you kind of count, you know, inflation and kind of the big budgets of movies, like 160 million is like, Not that much money for like
1: a movie of this scale, of this scale, yeah. And for how good it looks, like I said, I mean, it's some of the best VFX you'll find in a movie, yes. It's It's, on the screen, it is. It is. I'd be curious to see, like, I mean, for the number of actors, like big name actors in this movie, I'm curious what the salary breakdown was, and I mean. I don't maybe this is a movie that benefited from a pushback during COVID. Maybe it gave them more time to refine some of those VFX, to refine and make sure that they had, you know, put the proper work in without, you know, having to, you know, if, if you if you have tight deadlines, you're going to spend more money. Mm-hmm. If you have a more stretched out deadline, maybe you can keep your budget a little bit more reasonable while still crafting something really epic and really really you know, kind of awesome in those, in those action scenes. But, um, I think that what what you're saying, Jed, about those exposition dumps is it's helped by so much. Like you, there is that info that's coming at you, but when you have a beautiful set, when you have really flawless mm-hmm. production design around that exposition, like I said, with the holographic tree or, um, with, with Timmy's room back on Kaladin, I think, is the name of his home planet, right? And you've got a, you know, a, a magnetic actor like Timothy Chalamet, who you can kind of just look at his face and makes the exposition a little bit, a little bit easier to to uh, take in, right? Those choices help make the exposition just more palatable, frankly. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. What? How does the pacing sit with you after visiting it again?
1: I love the pacing so much. I have so many people who so are like, man. I fell asleep during Dune. And it's, I I just. It's a confident pacing. Yes. Uh,
0: I think that's the way I would put it. Uh, I won't lie. Like, I've fallen asleep during a screening of this movie. Like, 1,000%. Like, watching this movie, I have fallen asleep before. Had
1: another tally mark to the list of folks I know.
0: Um, <laughs> but what I think it does is it really takes away the part one aspect of it you know i think i think uh you know i'm really interested to see how this like it reads once part two is dropped and i think there's going to be a part three like as an entire like you know if you think about the pacing of the overall story versus just the pacing of like this one movie because I, I think it's just very uniquely paced with the way it, it kind of spikes its act. It slows you in, spikes its action, and then really lets you take a breath for essentially the last 45 minutes, hour, right? Um, I mean, there is, you know, one big, like a couple or two big action set pieces, but even those are such quieter moments than like the climax that we've got. I think the, uh, a less confident director would have almost ended part one, uh, you know, with with them, escaping into the desert you know it's like here's the cliff ha- here's the cliffhanger right they've they've escaped into the desert uh you know they've killed the um the harkonnens in the uh whatever the little Beyblade. this no no uh, the, I oh, in the yeah, in x-wing the, the thropter yeah the thropter, thropter yeah. that's yeah. what it is they, they X-Wing might is, is star wars is star wars yeah um thropter, amazing production design on that but i yeah. think that's how where it could have ended and would have ended with like a, a less confident director. But he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And he's I, like, we're going, we're going to like, we're going to bathe in this a little bit longer. I'm going to move this story along just a little bit further. Um, and it's more challenging to the viewer, but I, I think at the end of the day, I think it's also more
1: rewarding. Yes. And there is so much information that he could have packed into this movie from the book. A lot of it is dialogue oriented, but I mean, There is there's so much internal conflict in these characters that could be presented in a much more, I don't know, rabid way, almost in a way made for low attention span folks and just thrown stuff at you. I mean, Timmy could have had, you know, a hundred different monologues from just the events of part one that are in the book. Right. And it's a very deliberate choice not to, because while there is a lot of complex feelings underneath the surface of these characters when you strip it down it's it's like a messiah story essentially uh, that's all you need it's just a father and son and a mother and a son mm-hmm. and 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 one of and the son is the christ who doesn't want to be the christ but is going to be a bad christ right that, that's all it is and they just let the characters faces tell all of that they don't stop and look into camera or i don't know it like there's not even like a lot of like existential crises from these characters that has to be delivered like really dramatically, right? It it's all played out on their literal faces uh, throughout throughout the movie. <laughs> I just want to say, Bad Christ
0: sounds like a, a movie franchise from like the Family Guy or South Park universe. It's like coming to theaters near you, Bad Christ Two.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure there's shit. an SNL skit where like. I think I think it's a parody of, like, a Tarantino movie where, like, Jesus gets resurrected and, like, has an AK-47 and kills the Romans who killed him. There you go. Oh,
0: my God. Um, okay, so I think we've all talked—we we all loved this movie. I think that's pretty pretty clear. Um, I want to talk about, you know, two more things before we move on and kind of start to forecast about Dune 2, what we'd like to see. But is there anything that you wish they would have done differently in this movie? Um, Chip, you're the only book reader, so I think you're the only one that, like, story-wise could— say this, I and mean, maybe let's not touch on that because I don't think everybody else knows like where the story's going. Um, but like, were there any decisions different that you made? Or like decisions that were made that you wish maybe were done a little differently? I
1: think that this is kind of cheating because you don't want me to talk about the book. Um Paul is like brilliant. Like he he is a total savant even before he discovers the spice and even before he um, feels that power of the Kwazad's Haderach and the Muab Deeb. like, bef- before he really realizes what all he can do and what all he can see, he's still, like, a brilliant, like, young kid, like, trained in the arts of swordplay and in all that, and we see, like, some of that, like, especially in the end scene where he fights Jameis, I think you see just, like, I mean, he murks Jameis. Jameis stands no chance against him in that in that final fight. Paul could have killed him, like, five different times, and he only that final time is when he finally gets him, right? So it's clear he's very powerful, but... I it seems like the movie places more of that emphasis on the second half after he's inhaling the spice after he's the visions are becoming more clear and he's understanding about being the messiah and like having the visions of the holy war and all that. Even before then, my understanding of the character is that he is, I mean, a a true Duke in the making if he wanted to be. Um, And it feels like maybe that's downplayed a little bit and I wish it would have been emphasized more. Like, in the first half, when he's talking to his father. Like, I get that they're going for, like, the emo. And, like, that's also true. Like, he is kind of emo. And, like, he's like, oh, the idea of, like, power or whatever. He's, like, walking with his dad next to his ancestors, like, gravestones, right? It's a very emo scene. Um, and he has those big feelings. But he is also a, 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 a savant in the making.
0: Yeah, I think there's something to that with... I, it reminds me a little bit of, like, what it sounds like the book adaptation in The Lord of the Rings between... Aragon is, you know, in the in the books versus the movies where they make him a little bit more of a reluctant leader, whereas in the books, you know, he's far more like sure by the time we meet him, he's far more sure of who he is. Um, I think it might just be like a, a better uh, visual storytelling to make him seem much more uncertain, like a way to kind of get the audience on his side, because I think if into especially in like today's age, you know, if like they show up, it's like, here's this super hot, talented teenager. You guys want to like him, you know? Like he—he's <laughs> our protagonist. Like, yeah. what do we think? You know? It's, I don't know if that
1: would go. Over as what well. studio exec are you mocking right now? Like, are you? That's 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 really good. Also, like, just I always want more Oscar Oscarizing with my movies, and it's just sad that he has to die so soon. Yeah, I think
2: the thing for me, um, and it's not even like a criticism or anything. I'm not even saying they shouldn't have done it differently, but I didn't mind like the the part one piece at all, like I felt like I got a really complete story um, in this movie, which seemed to be like one of the main complaints of the movie by the people who had it is sort of like, it felt like I watched the first half of something elongated. Um, But where I felt it a little bit was like, in some of the dreamlike sequences, towards the end, it's a little bit more clear that they're like visions that are kind of being produced from the spice and, and like almost like hallucinations and stuff. But early on, you know, it, those seem to be the sequences that that are going to be served the most by the second movie. Um, there, there wasn't a ton of resolution for to like why he was seeing Zendaya other than like he ends up seeing her later and you're sort of like, oh, wow, it's the person he saw. You know, it's like things are coming true from his dreams, which is like a very classic kind of storytelling trope. Um, especially for somebody who's like a chosen one or has like is faded in some way, I just felt in the first movie like those were the only moments where I sort of felt like,' oh, so this is gonna pay off later,
0: yeah, I don't know, I think too, like the way that he weaves in um you know the way that like he he weaves in some of the nods throughout you know like Javier bardems, like stillgar saying like i've I've seen you before like I recognize you I can't remember exactly what the line is but something to that effect I, I think that's what makes that more effective and less like you you said Evan kind of like cheesy like oh dreams are just coming true you know weaving in some of that it's maybe not just like that girl is a symbol for him like Zendaya is a symbol for him like dreaming of the Fremen in general and not just like this one like I don't know you know, dream. No, it. I know kind of all the
2: sequences. I, I mean, you're right. I think I'm not saying that it's not purposeful. Like, I think it's very purposeful. It just feels like something that's going to really hit in this next movie when, especially when some of like the bigger ones that are just like a woman in a shawl, you know, like being like kind of the main focus. um Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. Like, when I say trope, like, there are reason tropes exist to an extent especially in stories like this like sometimes they're really effective and they're good storytelling methods
1: it just not I, the only I, time
2: that i actually felt like i'm excited for the next one to see this payoff
1: right. i kind of hear what you're saying like i so what i like about it is i like that Villeneuve doesn't try to make them weird dream sequences cuz it's very hard to do right. that I mean, we True. can look at a guy like David Lynch, who is also adapted doing, and he's got his own way that he wants to film. I mean, some might say his entire movies are all about dream sequences in Lynch's filmography, mm-hmm. right? But Bill News just like, we're not gonna dress it up. There's not gonna be any fancy I don't know, filters or effects or anything. True. It's yeah. it's I mean, it's it's shot essentially like the rest of the movie is the dream sequences are, which I, I like and I'm glad there's no pizzazz around them. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. I'm going to say we're going to be assholes for one moment. And before we move on to talk about Doom part two, I want where I'm going to force you to recast
1: one character. In this movie. So you have an answer for this. Cause I don't think you'd ask this if you weren't prepared to bring to the class an
0: option. Yeah. I, this wasn't something that I was like, I, I want to do this right. Away. Like it wasn't, I wasn't a question born from thinking a performance was necessarily bad. It was when I was writing down the notes, I thought it'd be an interesting question. And then I, I kind of had one glaring in my mind, okay. not for the not for the fault of this actor. Should I just go then? Yeah, go for it. Um, again, not for the fault of this actor, who is somebody that I enjoy. But I would recast Duke Leto Atreides, um, Oscar Isaac. You're getting recast. It's it's not his fault that every time he speaks with any kind of space uh, lingo that I hear, somehow Palpatine returned, and
1: I just you know,
0: <laughs> it's not his fault. It's not his fault.
1: Fucking uh, Star Wars, man.
0: But I would uh I would recast uh Ray Fines as the Duke. Just, you know, just like go a completely different direction. A little bit more a little bit more sass, a little bit more uh gravitas. Um, maybe somebody a little bit a little bit older. Um I mean I could see Ray Fines as Chalamet's dad, I think. That was kind of like I also weird. I, I wouldn't where I say more
2: gravitas like i, I feel like gravitas so? is kind of what oscar isaac is bringing in this movie with the salt and pepper beard and the like a very very serious Great beard. deep Great voice beard. Maybe more, Great
1: britishness.
0: Beard. more britishness more britishness
1: here's say. the thing duke leto is also like kind of an idiot like you gotta here's the thing you if, if your chief medical guy if his wife is a harkonnen slave you gotta be like you got to be looped in on this, brother. You need to be aware of who, what what your people's families are, what those situations are, so you don't get uh, murked from behind by that slow shield dart.
2: just kind of the whole situation, too, right? It's like, of course, they have to get, you know, they have to go get the spice. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the whole story. I'm not trying to say that Duke Leto should say, like, you know, this this story cannot happen. We're actually just going to stay where we are or whatever. Um, But... He's sort of like, I know it's scary, but we're going here. We yeah. go. like they you know, he, I, and, I, and the I movie's think, only doing but
0: I don't know. The way I read it is he's in an impossible situation, right? It's like, he clearly understands that like, this could mean death, but also refusing it could mean open war, right? He's being yeah. like, I'm in an absolute yeah. no win situation. So he's like, I guess our only chance of survival is to go and like, be really good at producing Spies and you know, I mean,
1: that's what the idea of desert yeah. power is. Is he wants to have right. he, he believes that there's the Harkonnens underestimate the Fremen, underestimate their number and their power. So he wants to recruit them so that he can hypothetically face off, he can strengthen his house, face off against the Imperium. But he also doesn't like. He's pretty chill about it. He's like, ah, well, you know, I'm going to send here, Jason Momoa, you go hang out with them and see if they like us. You know, he, he's, he's taking his time when it really is a time sensitive oh. situation.
2: I mean, the yeah. king is the one, you know, checking out the, the noise in the dark at night. Yeah. You know, that's all I meant. Like there, yeah. there is a yeah, little yeah. bit. And obviously at that point, they'd been betrayed, like not just by, you know, not just by the doctor, but like by um, why am I blanking on the ruling body? Um, you know, they, the they be betrayed by,
1: and by the emperor,
2: by the emperor, allowing the Harkonnens to use, you know, the, their, their Zodicar. methods of travel. Yeah. And yeah, so he, he was toast, but that it was just like a little bit, you know, we, we could no. send the guards to check out the, the mice scurrying around or whatever we got. Probably
0: For sure. That's what Rachel, that's what Rachel said is, uh, after <laughs> yeah. he gets, he gets absolutely like murked. And then ever like Josh Brolin and all the homies are you know running out. She's like, where are all these guards when the Duke <laughs> is literally like becoming paralyzed? Um, cruising around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm not gonna let also, you guys get away. Also, what do without... we think
2: about the the naked scene
0: with uh with Ray
2: Fiennes? Are we as excited about that scene at the table? If it's Ray Fine's British body, I don't think we're not as not that ex- he's not a good looking guy, but
0: I don't think we're as excited necessarily. But I think it um it brings a different kind of. Yeah, you know, let's just put it this way. I I'm, I believe that that uh, the Baron yeah. and Ray Fiennes are, are cousins a lot more than I believe that mm. Oscar Isaac, you That's know, when he, when he calls him cousin. It, Plus, it would be great to just get, like, one, like, you know, he bites on the tooth and blows the poison. And then you get one Voldemort laugh, like, a ha, 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 as he, like, I mean, blows, I mean, he blows
1: then, the poison I See, Voldemort's wand in this situation. Am I right?
0: Um, okay. All right. Well, you guys recast one character, and then we're talking about Dune 2.
1: Um, okay, this is this seems bad. I think Batista is a little bit underused in this movie, and he's gonna get used more. But there, in in if we're just talking about part one, we don't get enough of what I love about Batista for to keep him around. So I would probably recast him. Alexander Skarsgard. That's you read my mind, brother. I knew, I my, knew you
0: Do I should the Harkonnens have just been all the Skarsgards? That's the real question. Is should they have cast every Harkonnens with a speaking line? That's one of the scars guard. Set.
1: I mean, the thing is, Alexander could also play Fade Routha in part two. It probably fits him a little bit more. I, I don't want to recast Austin Butler from that movie, but Fade Routha is, he, he's got some Lucas Mattson energy for sure. Coconut. Um,
0: all right. Evan, coconut. Evan, <laughs> coconut. Um, I don't
1: know. It's so hard. Um. We gave Evan like a 12 minute head start here.
2: I know. Well, it's just I feel bad because no matter who you say, somebody's gonna be. Like,
1: You're gonna what? screw someone over. How could you it. recast
2: Timmy Chalamet? The recast? No, no, no. I would no, no, no. Never, never. Uh, the star-making performance? Come on. Uh, no. Uh, how about? It's a completely different energy. But how about we get, um, like Ethan Hawke in there for Jason Momoa? It's a little bit more of like slinky slidey, and I feel like Hawk and Brolin could have kind of a funny, um sort of energy between themselves and it would be a very different take on Duncan Idaho it, it wouldn't be like the massive bruiser it would be a little bit more of the like I'm
0: the smartest guy in the world but Cunning I also warrior. have
2: yeah. the best joke
0: yeah what if we flip the Brolin and Oscar Isaac parts talk to me about how we feel about that
2: about I, Oscar I, Isaac.
0: Oscar I, Isaac Oscar
2: Isaac as a Leto. it that's like maybe my favorite cast in the movie i will say so i'm oh, having a tough time ah. with that
0: one. Oh, sorry okay all right maybe it's i i'm just maybe i'm just having a bad like i got so much may the fourth you know maybe somehow palpatine has returned content maybe i'm just it was a bad time to rewatch it but
2: but then we would miss
0: um yeah
2: i i honestly and i don't even have those star wars movies in my brain at all so i i'm yeah. missing that context lucky, lucky. Yeah, i saw <laughs> them and just right
0: out the other side but, i wake up I wake up every day and Babu Frick just goes like, "Hey, hey! you know," just like right <laughs> it, in like it, my fucking skull, and it, it's tough. Love, oh, I, I love it Shido. If
2: uh, if if Brolin got switched, that we wouldn't get the. They're brutal. That that line reading that everyone loves from the training session.
0: Yeah, yeah. About the Harkonnens. Yeah, Bro, Brolin's great,
1: I, I, I love I, I love that we got a Brolin and Bardem No Country for Old Men rematch. Yeah, just very the real like you will address him as my lord. And he just yeah. looks at him and spits on the floor. Good shit. Um, I love
0: that. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Doom Part Two. The trailer dropped. How are you feeling?
1: Great. So good. Sandworms, man. We're gonna fucking ride sandworms. There's gonna be a lot of sandworm sandworm riding in this movie, guys. Like I hope y'all are ready for like I mean, oh my god.
0: Is he gonna is there gonna be like, you know, like Tony Hawk, pro skater, like, you know, like is Because he, he, he says, "Don't do anything fancy," right? Like that's in the trailer. That's what Bardem says to Chalamet. Like, you know, is there like, are we going to be grinding on some ra- like sandworm rails? You know, is he going to hit like a a sandworm like park situation? Do the Fremen have absolutely like a freestyle s- sandworm competition?
1: Hey man, sandworms. I mean, it, it's it's great transport, but it's it can be a fearsome beast of war too. I'll put it that way. I mean, it, it, it's so perfect because if there's one single thing from the first movie
2: that i'd say like i really have never seen anything like that before it's probably the first sandworm attack on the spice collector like that scene i i mean i didn't jump in there when we were talking about pacing but like that's why you can pace a movie that way because the the big scenes like that hit so hard so the fact that this next movie is just like how about dune part one except way more worms i'm just like yeah please give me all the worms. worms i'll take out, Worm, baby. worms
0: x games too like you're talking about there jed i i think that's like the spin-off like dune uh arrakis dune games you know that would be fun i'd be down for that yeah um it's like it's just like, like dune a, x stream. yeah it's like a desert walking competition you know it's just a bunch of fremen like i i can i think i think everyone can get behind that um I love so, the
2: little doo 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 doo, oh, like the worm collars too. Yeah, the thumpers, the the yeah. thumpers, the thumpers yeah, I love
0: those. So, here's the question: How bald is Austin Butler in this movie? Actually,
1: he's completely bald, no eyebrows, totally, no nothing on the head either. I mean, it's it's like uh, Joe Pesci in JFK, as as David Ferry, just bald, yeah, like, completely bald from head to toe. Are we? Uh, are we
0: at all concerned about about this man, this man's performance? It seems like in a very crucial part. No, I'm, I'm not concerned in. at all. I'm all in.
2: He's so you, good. Like we were, we were talking about him being one of the you know three or four best performances of the year last year. We got to have some faith. He was him. on my. Top are you five, concerned, Jed?
0: I'm with it. I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm I'm Be a contrarian. Concerned. I'm Z- mildly Zag. concerned. I think here's the deal. is like I. I mean, listen, I've been on record, you know, as saying I don't love Elvis the movie, but I thought that his performance was transcendent and, you know, obligatory, if I can dream, arm <laughs> swing. Um, I just worry about uh, somebody that's gone so deep into one character that they have changed the way they fucking speak. Like, are we going to get an Elvis bleeding? And I'm not talking like, yeah, I know the jokes have been, you know, like... Et- Chip, you literally sent the poster and said, "Here's a mind killer, mama." Like, I'm not worried about that, but I'm just worried about like some mannerisms. I'm li- a little worried about. Uh, I don't know. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it. I'm worried, and she, I, I think I'm. I'm allowed to be worried. That's I, fair. I think when the follow up performance from the breakout performance is always tough, and that's what scares me. I think.
1: To me, his breakout performance is Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as a Manson child who gets his junk ripped off by Brad Pitt's dog. Okay. So
2: it, I, He's also playing a character that was played by Sting before. I don't mean to cut mm. you off, Chip, but that's... No, that is something He tosses cool. in a little bit of a rocker in there. Like yeah, that's,
1: it's, it it's something, I mean, it's like carrying on the tradition of a rock star playing that role, mm-hmm. even though he's not really a rock star, but you almost have to think that he is in a way when you play Elvis that well it's like you're going to have a little rock star swag coming into the new mm-hmm.
0: comped his performance like said there was Mick Jagger elements in it. You know so it's like they're definitely not shying away from the rock star comp you know the director literally dropped that. Um Amazing. I don't know I, it, yeah. it, it's, it, it's interesting. I think like it's maybe the overall combo of things that has me worried. Um of like the baldness, the teeth. I don't know what's happening with the teeth exactly. Um yeah, That's a little strange. I mean, yeah,
2: the teeth... I, so, I only watched this trailer once just because, you know, I thought it would be interesting to come in with, with, like, these images in my head, the faint images, but are they shooting the Harkonnen scenes? Like, are they in black and white? Yes. Almost. or so
1: like, it's, it, like it, it watch kind
0: of? is Fade Rautha, is he a Harkonnen?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. he is uh, another nephew, so he's the brother of Rabin, Batista's character. Um, he is... Probably so. I mean, the rabbin is is like a brute force, right? He is the guy who the baron is like. You need to squeeze them. You need to just kill them all, right? Um, bigger plans in store for Fade Ratha, I would say.
0: Yeah, Fade Rotha is like I, I, the the way I've always like heard it is if you know Paul Trades is Christ, Fade Rotha is the Antichrist. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if he was affiliated with the Emperor or if he was affiliated with the uh, Harkonnons.
1: Yes. So, I mean, he's he's a Harkonnen, but, I mean, the Harkonnens are kind of, you know, serving the Emperor in some way. They 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 seem to be in cahoots. Uh, clearly, I mean, they obviously allied in this movie with the Sardaukar and all that. They're working together, have the same vision, um, and I think that uh, Fade Routh is being groomed. Uh, um, um, sorry. <laughs> Would you sign with... up for the Sardaukar, Jed? Or are you convinced?
0: I, I they rejected me from the choir, so I'm still holding ah. up some, you know, some some hard feelings from that. But uh, they so put, put me on the wait out there for them. The they, choir. They got so much swag. <laughs> they got <laughs> it's so unbelievable. much swag. It's the way they dropped
2: in, it was it was like they're in a Broadway play. I think and that's they're, my favorite. You know, taking over the palace.
0: I think that's my favorite shot of, of uh, Dune One, I think, is when they're in the uh, the old ecological center and they drop in from the ceiling. Yeah. And it's dead silent, and, oh, it, yeah. and like they're walking, you know, essentially walking themselves down. Um, it's awesome. And then you know when the Fremen pop up out of the sand, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, good, good shit there. But yeah, uh, we haven't. There's one name that has not been uttered, and I can't believe that it's taken this long. when We talk about Dune Part Two. I mean, that's your guys. Both of your guys is. I mean, I love her too, but both of your guys is like collective fave. It's
1: Florence Pugh, isn't mm-hmm. she? Mm-hmm. Is. She's. She, is. She, she won't have the biggest role ever. I'm going to be totally I, honest with you. I heard I, I heard we're
0: going to get n- like as much time as Zendaya gets in this movie. In Dune 1 is what the princess will be.
1: She kind of has... I mean, in the book, she kind of has a role as... I mean, she's. she will play into the story, but she also kind of has a role as like an archivist and is in some ways kind of like a compiler of these stories and like a narrator. So I think at one point you like... Literally see her like talking into some kind of recording device. So she's kind of playing this outside role um, in collecting and studying histories that will then and then eventually her story gets folded into these histories as well. Um, so don't I? W- I wouldn't expect a lot, but I she is a will end up being a very important character by the end of the movie. Uh,
2: I'm gonna be in the theater with the vuvuzela. So if she's on, <laughs> if she's on screen for 28 seconds i'll be playing it for 28 seconds if he's on there for a minute and a half you know um i i i'm excited i have seen that's been the stuff i've been kind of most disappointed to see because i haven't been that worried about spoilers i've gotten quite a few doing spoilers and it's kind of one of those stories that's always been out there but people are kind of throwing cold water on that every second that they can on twitter i know we talk about twitter on this pod probably too much but i've been I've been just like, let me have this. Let me go into the theater hoping and praying. It's not like I'm a stan, you know, where I'm like, I wouldn't have paid $18 for this movie ticket if I knew that Florence Pugh wasn't going to be in it for, you know, more than two minutes. But one can dream.
0: All right. We talked about a couple things. What's the number one thing we're most excited for?
1: Quickly, Chip. Mmm. I don't. Mm, I'm not gonna say too much because again, I, I do want to try to avoid spoilers. But so I'll. I will just say, I mean, we're gonna get some Timmy versus Austin stuff. You saw that in the trailer, so that's not a spoiler, right? You will see Paul Kwazatz Hadarok versus Fade Um mm-hmm. and it's if if they do it right, oh boy, yeah. I get I'm glad
2: you took that one. So I'll, I'll I'll take that one also. But on top of that two things wor- more worms, I already said it. Cannot wait for more worms and I'm very excited for Zendaya because I I don't know. She's one of those people who's like one of the most famous people in the world and I just don't really have that much of a connection to mm-hmm. her as a Same. performer. You know, I I I don't really like um Euphoria very much. I only watched, you know, the first 6 or 7 episodes and and just kind of shut it down. Um not a huge fan of of those Spider-Man movies. Like, so I, I'm looking forward to something that I'm very interested in
0: featuring her heavily. Love it. Uh, I think for me, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm interested in Denny being back in his bag. Um, I just think like, obviously, I think he's a confident director. I think he's done a lot of things that we all collectively really love. I think this is the first time he's done like a sequel to anything that he's done. And I, I'm really interested to see what that looks like. You know um already with the black and white stuff it seems like he's going to try to create a distinct visual style between this and dune part one and i I, that to me like was the most encouraging shot of the entire trailer um seeing that there is something that's going to be distinct you know not it's not just going to be dune part two it's going to be Mm -hmm. dune part two its own thing which i think is is yeah
2: it, and is he gonna somehow like scale this movie even more? Because that we, the Dune Part One might have looked like the biggest movie I've ever seen, or like the stuff on screen seemed the biggest
0: that I've maybe I maybe ever I seen. Is he somehow gonna top that? I I almost wonder if he's gonna. I I, I actually don't, I can't even wonder because like we're gonna zoom get in, in even if, if a we're gonna bit get more worms, we're gonna get more scale. I think that's just like <laughs> that's just gonna have to happen. But I was wondering if like we're gonna get a lot more intimate in this. In this yeah one. um be, like because there's no way to really scale up maybe he'll scale down and then scale back up for what it seems like chip correct me if i'm wrong there will be a part three
1: correct uh that's the plan they want to do dune messiah they want to take this to i mean, all all the way for uh the quiz story for paul atreides um I think it, the thing about scaling down, you might see in part two, is a little more of that political stuff. I think we're going to see a little mm. more political intrigue, some maneuvering um, trade, that trade, is trade routes. You get say again? And trade routes. Yeah, trade yeah, route. trade routes. Uh, the separatist forces are moving into Nebu. Um, it's going to be no, it's it's going to be. I think it's you're going to see, especially with Fade Ratha and Leia Sedu, Leia Sedu, pardon me. You'll Ooh, you'll yes. see some stuff there. Uh, we haven't talked about her either, but. The too many, too many famous actors in these movies to talk about. So, so many, so many famous actors. Um,
0: like, I can think of like six that we haven't even mentioned. You know, between us, Christopher uh,
1: Walken is playing the Emperor in the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, what? Oh. oh my God! All right, guys, that is insane. Right. We have to yeah. wrap before we keep we keep going. Thank you guys so much as always for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this kind of revisit of of Dune, high level overview revisit, um, and some chat about dune 2 and what we're excited for i think you know coming in october right um i think no early november i think oh november early mm-hmm. november so um i think it's gonna be a good time um, award season at the movies yeah i mean it's it's set up in the right space um but we're hey. really excited and we hope you are too so thanks as always for listening if you haven't already follow us on twitter flick and scream instagram flicking and screaming join the conversation at flicking and instead of just next week i'm gonna highlight the next couple weeks for y'all so that you can make sure you are seeing the movies that we're going to be talking about next week. We're throwing it back flicking and screaming style. We are going to do a two thousands rom-com. We're going to be talking about the cinephiles rom-com, the definitive cinephiles rom-com. And that is something's got to give Nicholson Keaton Keanu Reeves. I'm really excited to talk about it. I think it's a phenomenal movie um, out even outside of like, even if you just take it outside of the rom-com genre, um, Week after that, we are going to be throwing it back to a movie we didn't talk about last year, which is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, the Nick Cage vehicle. Uh, and then after that, two weeks from now, or three weeks from now, depending on how you want to think about it, we are going to be ranking all the movies from phenomenal director Kelly Reichert. Are you excited? I'm excited! I'm juice. That's Greg, J.T. Chipman, Evan Vigundis. Have a good one, everybody. And don't forget to...
1: And now, the starting lineup for your...
0: Jay what's up, guys? And slacker. <laughs> I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry.
2: God bless the internet.